happy to announce it's magic is alive and well <laughs> quite a start huh Yes, it is, Dirk Cutter. Welcome to another rendition of A Few Extra Bucks, A Few Extra Takes on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're on PeterPirates.com. We appreciate you logging on. This podcast has grown quite a bit over the last few months. I am Mike Neighbors. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews in Lutz, Florida, on the corner of Van Dyke and Northdale Mabry, and Sea Dog Brewing Company, great locations, Treasure Island on the beach, and in Clearwater, Florida. I'm going to bring in two guys, and we're not alone. Nobody, nobody predicted the Bucks would win this game. Justin Thomas is one, I'm one, and Roy Cummings is one. But I think, Justin, you're the voice of reason. You came probably the closest to all three of us. That's true. I did say it looked like a trap game, although I thought the Saints would pull it off. But, whoo, that was bad. Roy, how about Fitzmagic? Yeah, that was absolutely incredible. So much fun to watch, number one. Uh, You couldn't be happier for a guy, really, because he's such a great guy. He got his opportunity. You know what was kind of cool? He's saying this after the game, is that his kids now are right at the point where where they're just starting to figure out, uh, you know, the dad, what dad does. You know, now they get it. And they were at home today watching that game. And they were just so they had to be just so excited for their dad that he had such a great game. I mean, this is this is the best game in, in Ryan Fitzpatrick's career. And boy, not a lot of people gave him credit. Uh, you know, a lot of not a lot of people thought he could do this. And he went out there and, and he did it uh, times ten, man. I mean, he did what a what a great effort. The Buccaneers, the biggest underdog in week one in the NFL, almost a double digit underdog entering this game against the New Orleans Saint team that many predicted would win the Super Bowl this year or at least go to the Super Bowl. The crowd was unbelievable, was loud, very loud, like the the old days with Sean Payton and Drew Brees when they made their Super Bowl run and the subsequent years after that. And on the very first drive, the Saints have a drive that was perfect. I mean, they just went right down the Bucks' defense. They get the first score. I almost wondered at that point, why did the Bucks defer? Why didn't they want the ball right away to maybe, you know, I don't know, just get 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 the crowd down a little bit. But then Ryan Fitzpatrick answers right away, and he finds Deshaun Jackson deep to tie the game. And Ryan Fitzpatrick talked afterwards about how important that first touchdown was. The first touchdown was nice just, just to get that, especially to respond uh, with them coming out and scoring right out of the gate. Um, that was that was just, a, I think, a confidence boost for the whole team, you know, to be like, okay, you know, this is – this is a different year. This is a different team. It certainly is, Roy Cummings. And if you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, this guy's been around for 14 years in the NFL, has never had a day like this. 21 of 28, 417 yards passing, and four touchdowns. Had more touchdown passes than Drew Brees. I mean, we can go on and on and on about things that you would not predict in this game. And I think we both thought Fitzpatrick would have a steady game, but not a game like this, Roy. No, uh, and, and I'll tell you what, what's interesting is he got all those yards out of 24 pass attempts because, uh, you know, that's the thing is, is he was right in line with what the Bucks wanted him to do. Said that in the podcast going in. Uh, if you go back and listen to it, the Buccaneers didn't want him throwing any more than 25, 30 passes at the most. They were very balanced on offense today, and the reason was because they were able to be balanced. The running game worked effectively. You know, if you go back and look at it, he had some real nice runs there by Peyton Barber setting up some of those passes. That was a big part of it. 
But then I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick made a mistake in terms of decision-making today, not once. I mean, he took the ball he took the ball and ran 10 times today, outran Alvin Kamara, which is <laughs> pretty yeah. incredible to begin with. Yes. Um, and, and he had a touchdown himself as a runner. I mean, he made – every decision he made was exquisite. And I'll tell you what, what's not going to get a lot of credit, although I'm going to give it to him right now, offensive line gave him so much opportunity and time to, to make good decisions. That's why he made good decisions because he's a smart quarterback to begin with. You give a smart quarterback, you know, like that, that kind of time, this is what happens. Basically, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick outdrew Brees, Drew Brees. And Drew Brees didn't have a bad game by any means. In fact, he almost led this team back. But a crucial play in this game, the Bucks' final drive, They, if they don't get this third down conversion, the Saints get the ball back with over three minutes left, Roy. But it's Fitz magic again, not with his arm, but with his feet. And how many times did you see it? Critical, critical plays on the ground. You mentioned him outrushing Alvin Kamara, which is crazy. Yeah, exactly. But that last play on third down was huge. No, you're absolutely right. And that again, that's that's the decision making that I'm talking about. Is this is what happens when you put a veteran quarterback in there and surround him with a lot of talent. You surround him with all kinds of playmakers, which the Bucks just seem to get, they're coming out of their ears with playmakers. And you give them an offensive line that executed extremely well today. Uh, very seldom was uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick pressured, uh, and when he was, again. Uh, he made smart decisions, throwing the ball away on a couple of occasions when he had to, tucking it and running into the open areas when he had the opportunity. Just tremendously smart football uh, by Ryan Fitzpatrick. And you know what? We shouldn't expect anything less from a Harvard guy, right? Exactly, yeah. You know, he, he's such a likable guy, and you feel feel good for a, a guy who's who's been around, has had some ups and downs in the NFL. Ryan Fitzpatrick talked about how good this win felt afterwards. There are so many highs and there are so many low lows in this game, you know, and, and my wife and especially and then the kids have kind of been through all of them with me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you learn to enjoy these, you know, these uh, we'll take a night, enjoy it and then move on. Guys, you know who's not going to get enough credit for what happened today? Who? Jason Light, the Buccaneers yeah. general manager. And here's yeah. why I say that. When the Buccaneers picked up Ryan Fitzpatrick a year ago, it was with this in mind. The whole idea was that this is we need a guy who's a veteran, who's been there, who's done it, who can keep uh, what we believe, the Buccaneers, the we being the Buccaneers, what we believe is a playoff caliber football team in the race and on the mark if we lose our quarterback for whatever reason. That's the reason they brought him in. It's why they didn't go after Teddy Bridgewater, which I told you was never going to happen. So, sooner or later, people are going to listen to me. You did say that. You uh, said yeah, it a lot. You yeah. said it before the Saints picked him up. Somebody else during training camp or preseason or anything like that. They're very happy with Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is the reason. They wanted a smart quarterback who could just run the offense because they know that all you've got to do as a quarterback in this offense is this is one of the lessons Jameis Winston has to learn, and maybe he learned it today a little bit watching from the sidelines. In this offense, all you've got to do is get the ball in the hands of the playmakers. Give them a chance and they will make the plays for you. And that's what Ryan Fitzpatrick did today. Yes, he threw the ball deep on several occasions, connected on three big ones, missed one. But on those three big ones, what he did was he gave the receiver a chance. And we, we, as a quarterback, that's what you've got to do. And that's what uh, James Winston has to learn. He saw how it's done today. Uh, he saw it executed to perfection. Well, James Winston watched it from who knows where, maybe uh... – 
I don't know where he was, but I was thinking when Fitzpatrick, you know, was playing so well, and I thought of Jameis Winston throughout the game. You know, he's a team guy. You always got to give Jameis, for whatever you think of Jameis Winston, he's a team guy. But you know he had to be hurting in so many ways. But you know the competitor in him has to be thinking too, boy, I I should be the guy making those plays. Can you imagine being Jameis Winston watching this game today, Roy? Yeah, that had to be tough. Because first of all, he's hurting because he's not there. It's all on him. He knows that. He can't point the finger at anybody else but himself uh, and say, this is all on me. He's not there. But I also wonder if he, you know, as you say, the competitor in him probably believes the answer to this question would be yes. But do you think the Bucs would have done as well with Jameis Winston in the game? As Absolutely. Well Patrick? Absolutely not. I, I don't think I want to find out, to be honest with you. And that's why one of the things I tweeted out during the game was, I wonder what the Vegas odds are now on whether Ryan Fitzpatrick will uh, start week four when, after uh, Jameis Winston comes back. <laughs> I'll bet that bet went up a little bit. Here, here's the thing with that, Roy, and we've heard it from Jason Light, and we've heard it from Dirk Cutter. They haven't committed. You know why? Because they believe in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they're mad at Jameis Winston. They can say whatever they want. They're disappointed in Jameis Winston, and they believe in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they know in the back of their mind, and I'm reading minds, and I'm on a podcast, and this is what I gather from covering this team the majority of the past year and a half and all throughout training camp in this offseason. I think they know, you know what? When this thing came out with Jameis Winston, if Ryan Fitzpatrick succeeds, we're going to stay with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I think you're right. And and right now, the, the best thing that Jameis Winston has going for him is his age. And and because Ryan Fitzpatrick, is he's, he's down in the last few, few games of his career. You know, maybe he lasts another year, maybe two. I doubt it. Um, but uh, at this point, uh, you know, you got to say that, yeah, come week four, if it ke- keeps going like it did today, there's no way in the world they're switching and going back to Jameis. No way. And here's another reason why. Because Dirk Cutter and Jason Light have to keep their jobs. Yeah. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick's a better quarterback, they have a better chance of keeping their jobs. You know what? You listen to Dirk Cutter after the game. How happy does he feel, not only for himself, for his football team, but for Ryan Fitzpatrick? I thought Fitz did an awesome job of just giving guys a chances to make plays. You know, we had we had one in the third quarter where he overthrew uh, Mike when 23 fell down. But other than that, all of our other balls down the field, he gave those guys a chance to make plays, and they did. I mean, two of the, you know, Godwin, the one over the middle, two to OJ, those were both, the guys were hanging all over him. Those were both really pretty plays, but those are the plays OJ makes in practice. I mean, he makes those plays. So many weapons on this team, and you know what Ryan Fitzpatrick does a better job? He uses all of his weapons, and he used them so well today, Roy. Yeah, he really did. you know, the one thing that we didn't see a lot of was uh, passes thrown uh, to the backs, but that's because I think they they saw uh, in, in the Saints' defense an opportunity to exploit the deep third of the field, and they took advantage of it consistently. And I'll tell you what, you know, there was a lot of concern going into this game, and still is, and rightfully so, about the Buccaneers' defense. Wow, if you're if you're a Saints follower uh, like you guys are, uh, you got to be concerned about that about that Saints' uh, defense. Uh, yeah, the Bucks have a lot of a lot of weapons, but holy cow, you don't expect to have uh, anybody put forty eight up on you. And you know, we talked about this leading up to this game in the podcast last season. We saw glimpses of this. Deshaun Jackson didn't have a comfort level with Jameis Winston, but he did with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he did immediately in this game. And that that kept going throughout this game. It's amazing how Fitzpatrick and Deshaun Jackson haven't played a whole lot together, but there's some comfort level there, Roy. 
Yeah, there clearly was, uh, at least in this game. And, and I think we saw a little bit different Deshaun Jackson today in a few ways, too. Uh, the biggest way being that this is a guy who played through a bit of a shoulder injury. He got, you know, obviously got dinged up there a little bit early in the game, came back, played through that. And then, uh, you know, we saw him, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Mike, but on the sideline after he got uh, got his bell rung a little bit there uh, on that uh, second deep ball that he got from Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to go into that concussion uh, tent and, and yep. looked at. He's saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm not going in there, I'm not going in there. And, you know, that's a guy who I think it's a Deshaun Jackson that other teams have seen, but this is not the same guy that the Bucks saw last year. Uh, this is a guy who's uh, been working at it, and uh, he, uh, he improved his stature uh, with this football team a uh, couple, of, couple of levels today, I think. We're going to break this game down, but this was a big win in so many ways for this Bucks team. You heard all the rumblings the past couple of weeks, and, and there's so many distractions, Roy. I mean, from Jameis Winston's suspension, the quarterback position, to Donovan Smith's you know, up-and-down status at left tackle. Then you have Brent Grimes right before uh, in a walkthrough apparently get hurt. And, and all this uncertainty, Roy, and the fact that they can go to New Orleans and beat a Saints team, this Saints team is good. There's just, to me, so many great things for this football team to take from this. Here's what Dirk Cutter said big picture about this win. To win on the road, division team, NFC team, uh, in a place like this, uh, against a team like that, against a quarterback like that, uh, that that's huge. That's a huge way to start your season. No, no one, I don't think anyone in here was picking us. So, uh, I mean, are you kidding me? That's a, that's a huge plus. In our three and out segment, I've thought about this. So I usually don't tip my hand to you, my friend, but if you're just listening to our podcast for the first time, we li- we end with a fun three and out segment. I think we can redo our predictions. Okay, it's only one. It's only one game. We can redo <laughs> some of our predictions. So I'm gonna throw some of those out at you. But you know, what do you think? I mean, with all the things that were going against this team heading into this game, it's pretty impressive, Roy. Yeah, it really is. You're right. Uh, this was a team that, uh, you know, a lot of people, look, let's face it. I mean, the sporting news, who I used to write for, I'm a little embarrassed to say that right now, although I'm certainly proud of the fact that I did it for many years. They picked this team to win one football game, guys. Well, I, I guess I guess this was the one, huh? Well, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, seriously, yes, nobody has given this team any credit whatsoever. I don't know why, because they were the darlings of the NFL at this time a year ago, okay? Uh, and this time a year ago, they weren't playing because of Hurricane Irma. But they were the darlings of the NFL going into last season. And then everybody decided, well, I'm not jumping on that ship anymore. Uh, that ship's going to sink, and, and it's going to be an ugly sinking. So I'm a little surprised. Yeah, they've had a lot of stuff going against them. The Jameis Winston thing, losing Vita Vea, who hasn't played a down yet yeah. uh, in preseason hardly, or didn't play a down in preseason, saw, missed most of training camp. Uh, Ronald Jones didn't dress today. Uh, a lot of was a lot was made of that. Uh, the problems at defensive back um, didn't get much much out of the pass rush. But yet they won, and they won in a big way. And it's because they have all these weapons. So um, I, I think it's a to me it's a testament to the players on the team, obviously, and the coaching staff getting these guys ready and saying, "Don't let all those outside distractions bother you." You know, we believed in all the outside uh, praise last year going in, and look what happened. So now there's no reason to believe the outside distractions. And you know what? Some of this may be a result of the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick's the one under center right now, and he's he's really the voice of the team at this point saying, hey, guys, I've been here, okay? I've been, I've been on teams that aren't expected to do anything and did something and teams that are expected to do a lot and did nothing. Let me tell you, 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 you win in this league by just executing one play at a time, just do your job every play, 
and hopefully it works out in your favor. And, and you know what? Today it didn't. I got a feeling it's going to continue to work in their favor. For him to overcome all of the adversity, and he's heard all the rumblings, all training camp, all offseason about Jameis, then the suspension is announced, and then he has a great camp. And then he even admitted last night he slept well, but he woke up, I believe he said, at 4 or 5 in the morning and stared at the ceiling because he says no matter how long you've been in the league, you still get nervous. But there was no doubt. After the game, Fitzpatrick, we, we heard it from him earlier saying what a great win it was. But he talks about what a well-balanced win it was with everybody in the offense contributing. It's fun to be out there, you know, thinking you're going to score on every possession. Uh, and it, it had nothing to do with who we were going against. It was just the confidence we had coming into the game. And I just felt even early, you saw the ball was getting spread around. It wasn't one guy. It wasn't just the Mike Evans show out there, it, it, you know, or the Deshaun Jackson show. It was everybody. Well, speaking of the rematch, Roy, Mike Evans wins the rematch with Marshawn Lattimore. What a difference a season makes from this Bucks team in New Orleans compared to a year ago when Jameis really was, you know, to me, hurt himself in so many ways with the awkward pregame, eat some W's, and then he picked a fight and got Evans in some trouble. Evans outshined Lattimore, and then Dirk Cutter outshined, outshined Sean Payton. I didn't see the postgame handshake, but it wasn't like round two in New Orleans. Dirk Cutter is a big winner. Mike Evans was a big winner today. Ryan Fitzpatrick was a big winner. But that leads me to the storyline. Todd Munkin called the plays in this game. But afterwards, here's the exchange between Dirk Cutter and Tampa Bay Times columnist Tom Jones, who hung in there to his credit, trying to get out of Dirk, who called the plays. You guys were there. You guys were at the game. What does that mean? What does it mean? Yeah. Who called the plays? Were you at the game? I was at the game. What do you want me to say? We ran the Bucks offense. I give Tom Jones a lot of credit, Roy, and he's a peer of ours and a friend of ours. But the one question I want to ask Dirk, and I'm not faulting Tom Jones at all because that's an awkward situation, and obviously he wasn't going to get anything out of Dirk. I want to ask Dirk, Dirk, why is this a secret? You know, obviously Tom is asking you a question because you haven't told us who's calling plays. Dirk, why is that such a secret? Why can't you just say Todd Munkin? Is it an ego thing, Roy? What's the deal? You know, it's got to be an ego thing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how Dirk Cutter could possibly believe that letting the rest of the world know that Todd Munkin called the plays today as Ryan Fitzpatrick let us all in on, uh, thankfully at the end. I mean, obviously, uh, if you watch the game on TV, you know that Dirk Cutter told uh, Moose Johnson and also Chris Myers in their production meeting on Saturday night that uh, Todd Munkin was going to call the plays. Why he can't tell the local media that after the game is over, I don't know. Must be an ego thing. Um, but Dirk Cutter has no reason to have that ego issue. I mean, seriously, if he, as he said, they ran the Bucks offense. And I told, as I said in our previous podcast, and if you didn't listen to it, go back and listen. <laughs> it really doesn't matter who calls the plays, in my opinion. Right. Because they're all basically working. Just tell us. Just tell us. What's the secret? That's yeah. what I don't get. Yeah. What's, you know? what's what, what, yeah. Why, why is this a secret? I mean, on Friday, who the captains were going to be today was a secret. And, and I think for Dirk, you know what? This is one of the things I think that's hurting Dirk Cutter as a head coach. I think he gets too caught up in, in little tiny minutia things, trying to keep things from the media, whether he dislikes us or not. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. But he, I think he gets all worked up about what we know and what we're finding out and everything else when it's just, you know what, your job is to go out and, and, and 
coach a football team. Coach the football team. And if, if somebody asks you who your captains are going to be, how's that going to give anybody a, uh, a competitive advantage? It's not. Right. Right. Well, you're right. I don't know. I don't get it. And but and that's one hell of a question to be asked of him. And it looks like we'll have to ask it. And it's always, to me, weird about coaches where if you would just answer the question, then the story would basically go away. But you're prolonging the story and you're continuing the narrative week after week after week. And he's got to know that, but I guess he just doesn't care. And it's maybe a game he's going to play the rest of the year. All right, let's talk about the Bucks defense because i got to say this, Roy. I was very happy for one Vernon Hargraves. Vernon Hargraves is a guy who's been criticized, and to his credit, we've talked about in this podcast on our PeterPirates.com video wraps. He has faced that criticism. He has owned up to it. And in this game, he wasn't perfect, but he forced a turnover that, to me, might be the play of the game when was all when all was said and done. Yeah, I, I agree. You're right. He did. He had a he had as big a play as anybody in this game today. Uh, had a pass defense along with it. Ended up getting hurt, taken out of the game. I hope he's going to be all right because they're going to need him because uh, Brent Grimes could be a, a while. We'll see. Um, but you know what? I, I think you gain a better appreciation for Vernon Hargraves, who proved once again today he is one heck of a slot slot cornerback. I think he's very good there. It may be his best spot. And for those who think that that's a waste of a first-round draft pick, well, uh, would you go back and take Rondé Barber in the first round? I'm not comparing him to Rondé Barber just yet. But, right. you know, it's an important position to be played. Nickel defense is the primary defense for most teams nowadays. But, yeah, he had a great game, very good game. And, boy, uh, for all those people who, you know, were so excited, to, couldn't wait to see Carlton Davis III out there and MJ Stewart and Jordan Whitehead, well, Carlton Davis today uh, got schooled. And uh, it's a good thing. That, welcome to the NFL. Yeah, that was a welcome to the – he had a, a few welcome to the NFL moments. Um, be careful what you wish for when you want young – particularly rookie defensive backs in the game for your team. Uh, it often doesn't come out the way you want it to, and today was one of those days. But Vernon Hargraves, uh, his veteran experience, uh, and you can call him that now, came uh, came into play in, uh, in a big way. This game to me, I don't want to get too uh, philosophical or crazy here, but to me, a game like this today is why I love sports because nobody would have predicted it. Nobody would have predicted that Ryan Fitzpatrick would have a better game than Drew Brees. Nobody would have predicted that Gerald McCoy and Jason Pierre-Paul wouldn't be factors and this team would still win. I mean, nobody would have predicted, you know, (laughs) putting almost 100 points on the board. And I saw a stat in the first half. They combined for as many points as any two teams in the first half of an NFL game in four years. I mean, I can keep going here, but this is why we love sports. And frankly, this is why we love the NFL because there's parody and it, it played into the cliche any given Sunday. It really did. Yeah, it definitely did. And it was, it was just a lot of fun. If you're a Bucks fan, you just, this was, uh, this is the kind of day you dream of. They haven't had too many, but uh, this is one of those <laughs> days you dream of for sure. All right. Well, uh, I think we've covered uh, a lot on both sides of the football, but we have one more uh, b- business to take care of. And Justin, we got to play the music for that. Oh, that song's in my head for hours. I love it. You know, it's every, time time we, for- every time we play that music, I just keep waiting for Dean Rayburn to come out you know, with long, <laughs> stick mic, and, and he asks the questions for yes. out segment. I don't have the pipes of Gene Rayburn, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's definitely old school stuff. Was Gene right, drunk these- for most of those shows? I think he may yeah, have been, yeah. I think he was. 
<laughs> All right, this is our three and out. Three questions for Roy Cummings. We have not discussed these questions, but three questions, and he is out of here. Um, let's talk about the biggest winner today. All right, a lot of winners for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but who's the biggest winner today? Is it Ryan Fitzpatrick? Is it Dirk Cutter? Or is it Todd Munkin? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I'm going to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and here's why. At the end of the day, you know, as much of a secret as it is, yeah, Todd Munkin is calling the Buccaneers offense. Uh, that offense, that game plan is put together by a committee of coaches. Uh, it's like this with every NFL team, and someone is given the job of calling the plays. Again, we went through this in the previous podcast. You know, you're picking between, you know, three and five plays tops anyway for every situation. It's not that hard. Um, you know, and I'm sure Cutter probably called off a couple of plays and changed it or, or did whatever. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, say what you want about play calling. It was important. I'm not saying that at all. The play calling was, was exceptional today, just like everything else about the Buccaneers. But the only reason good play calls work is because the players execute the play call. And that's what Ryan Fitzpatrick did as well as anybody on either side of the line of scrimmage today for either team. Uh, he was exceptional. This is the kind of game he dreams of um, and maybe was dreaming of before he woke up at 5 o'clock this morning and started staring at the ceiling. He was on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's the biggest loser in our second question in our three and out? Who's the biggest loser today? Was it Marshawn Lattimore or Jameis Winston? I got to say Jameis Winston. Um, yeah. You put some doubt in there uh, as to whether he should be the quarterback of this team going forward this season. Now, if this continues, and, and, and again, let, let's, you know, you don't get too high with the highs. Yes. This is from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I can promise you right now, is not getting too excited about this. As he said, he's going to go home, have a great night with his kids, can't wait to get home to them, he's, and he's going to celebrate this tonight and tomorrow, and that's going to be it. After that, he's going to, re, he's going to remember that, hey, I'm just another guy, one of 32 starting quarterbacks, I got a job to do, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, there's doubt now for Jameis Winston. There's doubt as to whether he should be the quarterback starting in week four. And right now, nobody's in a hurry to bring him back. Uh, it may change. We may be saying just the opposite this time next week. But right now, nobody's in a hurry to see Jameis Winston come back. And here's another byproduct of that question, Roy, because I agree Jameis Winston was a bigger loser. I think Lattimore's a great player. He'll bounce back. I think he's a little full of himself, potentially a lot of these Saints rookies after that great year. This is a humbling game for them, and hopefully – I'm not hopefully, but we'll see if it serves them well moving forward. But my thing with the with the Bucks now is everybody's talking about those first three games. Oh, my gosh, the first three games of the year are going to be brutal for the Bucks. Well, all of a sudden, Roy, I know you got to take them one game at a time – they win this game in New Orleans. They have momentum now. Philly has kind of a mess at quarterback, and the Steelers played well today. But they've, you know, they kind of have some issues too. You wonder about these first three games now, how it's going to be for the Bucks. It's why I never look at a schedule when it comes out in the spring uh, and get too worked up over it. It's why strength of schedule to me in the NFL is really just kind of a parlor game. I, I don't quite get it. It's like, yeah, because you know why? Because every team on your schedule looks different in the first at the after the first weekend of the season than it did when you first began when you first looked at the schedule when it first came out. And this is an example of it. Yeah, it's still a pretty daunting task to take on New Orleans on the road, then Philadelphia, the Super Bowl champion, and the Steelers. But Steelers tied the Browns today. 
Yep. What is, you know, and, and the Eagles were beatable. If the Falcons could have finished in the red zone, they would have beat them. And the Bucks, they yep. could have had 51 points today. So, right. look, I, 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 I always say it. Go out and play the schedule. Take it week by week. And if you execute, you've got a chance. The, 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 the difference between the best team and the worst team in the NFL is really not that, that great. And the difference between winning and losing in the league is usually, on every, as you said, every given Sunday, very, very minuscule. It's, it's a play or two here, play or two there, and that's what decides it. And the Bucks today, they proved that, hey, they can probably beat anybody. I couldn't agree more. The funny thing is the Saints have two home games to begin the year. They have the Browns next week, and they have the Bucks. And, and everybody in New Orleans was almost saying, oh, 2-0. It's going to be 2-0. Well, now all of a sudden the Browns look a lot better. They've already lost to the Bucks. We've already talked about the Bucks three first three games. That's why the NFL is great because you just you just don't know. Okay, I alluded to this earlier in the show. and bring back Justin. You know, the great thing about podcasts, guys, is we can do whatever we want. It doesn't matter. We can break the rules. We're not coaches. We're not GMs, whatever. We predicted a lot of things for the Bucks a week ago. Well, a time for a do. I'm going to give you guys a do over. Okay. None of us really predicted, none of us predicted a winning record for the Bucks. Okay. I'm going to give you a do over. And our last question, our three and out. All right. What's the Bucks record after you saw them for one game now? What's it going to be? Does it change your mind at all? I'll go first. And uh, I think I had them at eight and eight. And I've been saying nine and seven to everybody else who's asked me that question uh, throughout the course of the preseason. And I still believe it. Um, and the reason I said eight and eight was because they lost Brent Grimes. And I honestly thought, you know, as I gave my prediction on the game for this week, I didn't think they were going to win this week. Now I feel completely different. This is the kind of game that can, you know, develop a wave of momentum that you can ride for a couple of weeks. They're coming home next week. You've got to think that against the Eagles, and it may be a lot of Eagles fans, but you got to think Raymond James Stadium is going to be packed. you got to think the Bucks fans are going to be excited, jacked up, uh, they should be able to continue to ride this wave of momentum at least into the you know well into the first quarter of that game if they can get a lead on Philadelphia and pour it on the way they did today offensively against uh, the Saints they, they could be two and0 coming out of the first two weeks so I believe nine and seven it's what I believed to this team all along uh, I didn't give their backups enough credit and uh, I didn't give Ryan Fitzpatrick enough credit or their offense uh, didn't think they'd be able to put up 48 points. I didn't think they'd be able to win a shootout, but now I think they can win a shootout against anybody. What do you think, Justin? I'm of a similar mindset. <laughs> I, you know, the one reason I said the Bucks would go 8-8 eight, eight was just because of how tough the division is. But after seeing Atlanta struggle in the red zone, you know, and then today with the Saints struggling on defense, they look like the defense of old, I could see the Bucks being the surprise team that everyone thought they would be last year and going 9-7-10-10-6. So, yeah, I'm going to give them an extra two wins now. You know what? It's crazy. And, and Roy, you've seen this. Justin, you've seen it. How many times have we seen the NFC South people go from worst to first? Oh, yeah. It, it's happened. All the time. So many times. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, my, th- my thing with – I don't know really how good the Saints are now. I don't know how good the Falcons are. After one week, it's so hard to gauge a team. And the Saints started 0-2 last year, but I thought it was a different start because Adrian Peterson was the guy. They didn't develop that com- chemistry with Kamara and Ingram, and the defense developed, and the rookies obviously developed. I don't know how these rookies are going to develop. I don't know if they're going to be too cocky and rest on their laurels. I think the Bucks. 
I, I just, oh man, I don't want to get crazy after one game, but I think they're going to have a winning record after watching this. I don't know if they'll they'll be like a nine and seven. And I never, I mean, I thought even when we made the predictions the other day that seven and nine might be a little high. So I know it's one game, but there's so many good things about this football team after after watching it today, Roy. Yeah, there are. There are a lot of good things about them. There's also some bad. Uh, yeah. Chandler Catanzaro had a chance to, to put this game away, make a three-score yep. game with uh, four, four, four and change left on the clock, and he couldn't do it. Missed a field goal. Can't have that happen. Defenses cannot continue to get up, give up 40 points. they got to develop a pass rush better than they had today. Um, the secondary is going to be tough, but you know what? Um, you know, uh, it's th- those are things that we expected. They can work on it. If they can get better on defense and continue to execute the way they did on offense today, um, they got a chance to do something special. I know it's a small sample size, but uh, what a difference one game makes. Uh, my last question to the two of you. I, I was in, obviously in New Orleans and at the on the Jumbotron, the Superdome, they always like to poke fun at the opposition, compare how great New Orleans is to Tampa. And they tried to make fun of Tampa. But I think Tampa is so great. It was one of those things. I thought they were reaching a little bit. It was hard to, for, to convince me. It, like a lot of these cities, they'll destroy, let's say, Atlanta. or They'll destroy Charlotte. One of the things they thought they had on Tampa that I have to disagree with, and this is the last question to you guys, they thought that the po' boy was better than the Cuban sandwich. And I'm sorry, guys. I, I think the Cuban sandwich wins that one. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Well, I mean, Go ahead, Justin. Go ahead. I was going to say <laughs> By definition, the po' boy is the poor man's boy. So, yeah. you know, it's just a sandwich with random stuff thrown on it. I like them. They're good. But, yeah, Cuban, I could, I would give you that. I think it's a better sandwich. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to. I'm just throwing it out there. I thought it was kind I'm of great Cuban, too. Uh, the po' boy is not something I, I get when I go to New Orleans. Um, usually, you know, I'll, I'll say this. New Orleans has got better food. But I'm not thinking yeah, po' boy over a Cuban. I'll take the Cuban, right. but um, look, I'll still I'll still take Tampa's beauty over over New Orleans. Yeah, they've got the for the, the French Quarter. That's great. I understand they got Bourbon Street, but you know, uh, but I'll take uh, here's something else. Um, I'll take the ba- the hockey team and the baseball team that we have as well. In the airport. <laughs> in the airport. Oh yes. Oh yeah. The best airport in the world. By the way. I'll say this in too. World. This, this shows how good Tampa is, is my point. And I, I like Po' Boys. I do. But I like Cuban sandwiches better. But here's the other thing. They, they try to rip these other cities, and they do a great job at it. But this, to me, showed how good Tampa was today because the things they were pointing out, I didn't think were bad. And they tried to throw out all their restaurants, which are great restaurants here. And they and the example they used for Tampa was Hooters. Now, Hooters isn't going to be, you know, right. Commander's Palace in some of these places. But, you know, a lot of people may pick Hooters. I'm just saying. Well, Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, Tampa Bay is, is, is where Hooters started and now it's a worldwide brand. Uh, Tampa is where Outback Steakhouse and Carabas started. Now they're worldwide brands. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's a couple of worldwide brands coming out of New Orleans too. I'm not going to look, I'll take New Orleans food, but in terms of restaurant, worldwide restaurant changes, Tampa might just have them. Man. So Tampa wins the game today. They win the post game here. A big, big day for Tampa Bay. Uh, well, listen, guys, that was a great podcast. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Justin, for bringing in all the sound. Um, Roy Cummings, great, great analysis. And, uh, you know, guys, this is going to be a fun season. It's fun after the first game. I know we don't want to get carried away, but it will be interesting to see the Ryan Fitzpatrick Fitzmagic if the magic dust can keep going here for the Bucks. But great job out of you guys. 
I'm Mike Neighbors. I'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes, on the corner of Northdale, Mabry, and Van Dyke, and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great locations in Treasure Island on the beach and in Clearwater. You know what? New Orleans, they don't have House of Brews, and they don't have Sea Dog Brewing Company. Just saying. That's a few extra bucks on PeterPirates.com. Please subscribe. It's free. We're going to have great videos for you this week and many more podcasts. Until next time, thanks for logging on. Thank you.